You are listening to another Always Moto production. The Always Moto Podcast with your host, David Hogan. This show contains information about injuries to riders competing in AMA Supercross, AMA Motocross, MXGP, Ozpro MX, and other international moto events. The information discussed may be unsettling to some listeners. It might be incomplete or based on medical opinions due to riders tending to hide the details of their injuries. We are here to explain the information and increase injury understanding and visibility for the fans. There might be coarse language and the odd stuff up along the way. If any of this offends you, turn us off right now. Moto fans, I'm not a doctor, but I am a physiotherapist, and this is the episode 20 of the Always Moto podcast. I'm your host, David Hogan. Welcome to the emergency department. As always, we will be going through all things injury in moto because hashtag injuries are a part of moto, unfortunately. On this week's show, we will be covering the injuries from round 13 of Monster Energy Supercross at St. Louis. And also the riders returning for round 14 this weekend of Monster Energy Supercross that will be at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Along with an update on the Always Moto Fantasy League on Pulp MX, uh, we'll also be having two interviews this week in this, this episode. We were able to sit down uh, with Team Tedder's Benny Bloss. He was finally able to make his return to racing this week in St. Louis and we, we chatted with him about his preseason injury and how there was more there than just the brief updates that he passed along in January. So there was way more to that injury than we actually knew about until we started this conversation and interview with Benny, uh, and that was quite interesting to do. So listen up for that later in the show. We also caught up with factory mechanic uh, from Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki. He's Austin Faulkner's mechanic. We chatted with Tony Archer, uh, and he was able to fill us in on all the things that change for a mechanic when a rider goes down with an injury. A uh, bit of a different look at the injuries in our sport, and Tony provides some great insight during this interview uh, about how things have worked while Austin has been out with injury this season and how it's all gone down for him at Pro Circuit in those few weeks that he's been out of action. So another big show coming your way, Moto fans. Uh, should be a good one. These interviews later on, um, I, I quite enjoyed the information and the info that came through. And, and, and look, honestly, Benny was a pretty cool interview. Um, we had a good chat before and afterwards, and uh, he's a pretty funny dude. So it's, uh, it's worth listening to that's later in the show. So as always, this show is brought to you by, well, it's brought to you by me, uh, Always Moto. Uh, I bring you the show, and I need your support to keep this show going. Uh, so for, for the way that you can support us with this show, we have some merch coming. We've been talking about it now for a couple of weeks on the show. It's going to drop very, very soon. Uh, we have some Always Moto t-shirts coming, uh, and we're taking pre-orders. So we're trying to get you guys to pre-order these. The shirts are $25 plus postage and handling. Uh, and remember, that's in Australian dollars, people. 
They are a black t-shirt and they've got the big Always Moto logo front and center. Um, so show your support of the podcast and get a t-shirt and you can rock it at the races and, and get us some more coverage out there. Uh, it'd be very cool for you guys to do that. Now to, to pre-order, we want you to email us at alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. We want you to put the t-shirt, uh, t- put t-shirt pre-order in the subject line. Uh, and then send the size that you want, and we'll be in touch about payment and delivery dates. So go ahead, guys, get those emails coming in. Uh, It's great to see some coming through already, Uh, but like I said, you want to get in on this. We've only got a limited run of these. We've got 100 coming. That's across all sizes, so make sure you get yours uh, before they disappear. We will be doing more. If these go well, we'll be doing more, and we'll be doing different styles and colors, so keep an eye out on those as as we progress over the next few weeks. But uh, get those emails in, get that pre-order for that t-shirt to support the show. Uh, be fantastic. So let's jump into the show, guys. We've got the injuries from St. Louis that we need to run through. Now, there was a couple of uh, odd you know, oddities that uh, occurred at, at St. Louis uh, in the injury side of things. And look, it was, uh, it was a very different... Um, Look, the press day started it, and then the race day was a little bit different as well. And obviously, we're talking about things that happened to Dean Wilson there as being a bit different there for, for the injury side of things. So let's kick it off. Uh, we'll go with Cameron McAdoo first because he got injured on press day. And unfortunately, that threw out the, basically the series uh, and how it was all going. Basically, he just handed the, the title over to Jet Lawrence. So long as he doesn't do anything dumb in the next few rounds, he's pretty much got this wrapped up because Cameron is now unable to race. Uh, so on press day, he managed to do an AC joint separation. Now, I sort of cover these things at different levels of um, of injury detail in, in different shows. And if you haven't heard it before, I'll run through it a little bit more here because we've only got a couple of injuries this week to talk through. But the AC joint is basically where your collarbone meets the outside of your shoulder. So the collarbone will sit onto a port portion of the shoulder blade, and there'll be a multiple. There's multiple ligaments. That hold that collarbone down in the in the in, in that junction there where it meets the shoulder blade. Now the main ligament that gets ish, injured there for a shoulder separation is the acromioclavicular ligament, hence the AC um, abbreviation there for the AC joint. Now that acromioclavicular ligament it gets torn. Um, there is different gradings of ligament tearing. Grade one being a very minor strain to the tissue. Grade two being a partial tear, and grade three being a complete tear. Now, we don't have information on how bad that was, but for the AC joint, there's actually grades four, five, and six as well because there's actually other ligaments on the underside of the collarbone that come from the underside of the scapula to join to it too. Um, And depending on whether those are involved or not depends on whether it makes it a four or five or a six. So at this stage, we're hoping it's just the AC, the acromioclavicular ligament, making it only a grade one to three that he's had injured. But for those of you that haven't had this or have seen some people uh, walking around with some funny looking collarbones, this is usually what has been in, has occurred to them at some point because basically what will happen is the end of the collarbone will sit up high compared to where the, where the end of the shoulder blade or where it should normally sit and be nice and flat there. And if you haven't had any issues with yours, run your hand along your collarbone out towards your shoulder and you'll feel it end there and you'll feel it go nice and flat into that bit. Well, most people will have a step that happens there where the end of the collarbone goes to a point and it drops down and then you'll find the shoulder blade. And if you actually push down on that, that step on the collarbone point, 
it'll spring up and down and that's because the ligaments on the underside are still holding it in place um, but that top one's been torn now the top one if it's a complete tear sometimes they'll never actually sit back down flat because they won't repair in that style um, very well without surgical intervention and it's not something that's always done the surgeries are more for those grade four fives and sixes when they've got multiple torn ligaments because there is literally nothing left to hold it in place so for Cameron, we don't know what grade it is at this stage, but I dare say he is at least a grade two or a three. He will be out of action for about four to six weeks, minimum with those two things. If he is in the higher grade four, five, sixes, he'll, have, uh, he'll need some more time than that. But ideally, it's a four to six week injury, uh, and that would then also work out nicely for him to be getting some prep time back in for outdoors. If it's worse than that, we might see that impact his ability to prepare for the outdoor series, which starts at the end of May, uh, which is only about six, six, seven weeks away, something like that now. So it's getting rather tight for these guys that get injured. At this point in the season, uh, if any injuries do occur, their ability to get recovered fully before the outdoors is starting to get very difficult to do. So something to keep an eye on. And, and something I've mentioned previously in some of my work when we talk about the injuries at this point in the year, guys will start to roll back on their, their speed and their, 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 their pushing, you know, the ability to push in some of these races and how aggressive they are because they know that if they have an injury now, it's going to affect their outdoors. And if they're not in the championships in the Supercross, well, they might just back it down a little bit make sure they get through the season without too much issue and then get to that championship because everyone starts at zero again. So then they're in the they're in the hunt again, and that's more valuable for them to be up and front up at the front uh, and fully healthy at that stage than it is to crash now and stuff up that season as well. So keep an eye on that from a few people at this stage of the year. But like I said, Cameron McAdoo, Monster Energy Pro Circuit, he's unfortunately out uh, from that press day crash. It's an AC joint separation, uh, and like I said, Jet Lawrence is looking pretty damn good for that title as of now. All right, let's jump over to the ones that happened on race day. Now, surprisingly, there wasn't too much that I found out about anything during the day uh, from qualifying and, and practice and, and the LCQs before the night show kicked in. The things that happened during the night show were a bit different, but so we obviously saw that red flag that happened during the 250, um, one of the motos there for the Triple Crowns. That was Kyle Peters on the Phoenix Honda. Now, Kyle actually only just returned from a fractured hand at this round, and he managed to have a decent crash here. And look, things didn't look too good straight away. Um, when he was sitting there on the tough blocks on the side of the track with the medic crew there, they were holding his helmet as in a, in a manner to then hold his neck stable. He was obviously able to stand and get up and get to that point on the side of the track, but they quickly realized that he's having neck pain and having some other issues and they started to hold the helmet. And that's not really a good sign because if you're sitting up and you're trying to hold the helmet, you've obviously already got the load of the head pushing down onto the spine. Um, so they were able to quickly, with the red flag, get the, the mule over to him, the medic mule, and then basically get him strapped onto the backboard so that he was stable. They didn't take his helmet off, which is interesting because they didn't use any of that sort of eject system that they have where they can push the air pressure into the helmet, into the little um, little bladder that sits above them, and then you know basically um, jack the helmet off them. They didn't do that. They didn't remove cheek pads or anything like that. They just left the helmet on. His goggles were on because when you saw him going off the track on the coverage and he was giving his thumbs up to, to his dad, I believe it was, in that point to say that he was okay, um, he still had all that stuff on. So whether they did that once they got him off the track and out of view and we're in a bit more of a stable position, which might have been a better idea. 
um, but they didn't do it trackside at that point. So ideally that was a good sign um, that they were taking a bit more care with that. But obviously since that point we found out um, the team, Phoenix Honda team, put out an update for Kyle and it, they basically said that he had a broken C5, broken C6, and that he was having surgery that night after the after the after the race. Um, so not a good outcome for him. He's going to be out for about six to eight weeks as well. Basically, putting the end of his Supercross season, and you know at least if he's I don't know if he does the outdoors at all, but he's definitely missing the start of that at this stage. But so those um, that that surgery that he'll be having would have been to basically fuse those joints together. Um, and stabilize the area so obviously things weren't too stable and how it all worked out um, and c5 and c6 being the cervical vertebrae that are towards the bottom part of the neck um, and all super important vertebrae and if they're stabilizing them via surgery uh, that was so that they're obviously not going to put any pressure on the nerves and the cord in that area so hopefully all went well um, hopefully it's all stable now haven't got anything back from Kyle yet, and that's fair enough. He's been busy, obviously having surgery, recovering, probably in a bit of pain, probably on some pain meds. Hopefully we'll be able to check in with him in the next couple of weeks and find out how things are going for him. But yeah, look, pretty serious at that point for him um, and a season ender for him for 2022. Moving over, the next one and the weird ones, we're going to leave Dino for last. Um, but so Alex Martin, um, number 26 on the Club MX Yamaha, had a very wild looking get off in that rhythm section. Um, he was hanging on the bars, but his feet were higher than his hands, which is never a good sign, particularly when you're as short as Alex Martin is and he's got his, his feet way up in the air. Uh, he was riding that thing. He got bucked off pretty big uh, at that point at the end of the rhythm. Somehow managed to, and this is all in that split point where they were trying to catch up with him with the camera. From the point that they left, left him to the point that they caught up to him, he somehow managed to get underneath Alex Ray's bike. Uh, and obviously, when you saw Alex Ray trying to get the bike back off him, you could tell that Alex was unfortunately concussed at that point. He wasn't telling too much about where he was at that stage. So look, it sounds that like at this stage, just a concussion. He's probably got a bit beat up and a bit sore from everything else that he would have banged onto the ground as he rolled around to get to that point. And obviously, if, if um, Alex Ray did sort of run into him a bit, he might have a few tire marks on him but the concussion will be the main aspect that he's recovering from this week. Now, depending on how he goes with the concussion protocol that we've been talking so much about in the last few shows, it will depend on whether he's able to ride this week or next or how long it is. So as we've discussed previously, those uh, concussion protocols are a minimum of five days to complete, meaning that each stage of that step of that return to ride program is a day to complete. So there's five steps. Now, the next things that will happen is he then has to pass the test on the day of the next race that he's attending to make sure that he's fully prepared and ready to go. Now, that's usually not an issue by the time you get to that point, which is interesting because there's something that come up with Shane McElrath um, last week that was in this vein. But we'll have to keep an eye out. At this stage of recording it, there hasn't been any updates from Alex. Alex hasn't responded to us either. Not sure how he's going with that process. Hopefully he's all good for Atlanta, but he might need to take the week off and then come back for the week after. We'll see how that all works out. Uh, but at this stage, yeah, on concussion protocol for Alex Martin. Now, while I'm touching on an interesting note there with the concussion protocol with Shane McElrath, he put up a thing to say that he wasn't actually cleared to race uh, following his concussion protocol test on the day of uh, St. Louis Supercross, but I wonder if that is actually linked 
or the easy way out for him to say that he wasn't able to race with all the business that's going on with that Rocky Mountain uh, KTM team there with Forrest Butler and all the the ins and outs that are going on there. Now, I have no input on any of that side of stuff. I've just been reading what's obviously been going on and hearing different things from different people when I'm talking to them during, during the week. Doesn't sound like a great situation, but that bit with, with Shane, uh, believe it or don't believe it, but it wouldn't, unfortunately, with, with Shane, there was there's this. There's the issue where he pulled out with a back injury from to not point out with Supercross points uh, from the 250 class a few years ago. Maybe it's just his way of using these things to sort of, you know, hide the truth a little bit as to what's going on. And it'll make more sense maybe in a year or so's time when you hear where he ended up or if he was able to race under a different banner next week. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, from the from the, from the the announcement that Shane made, he didn't pass the concussion protocol on the day of the race and he still has to redo that again then if that was the case uh, at the next race before he's cleared to go. Uh, next on the list... Minor sort of, um, well, it looked major, but ended up being minor. Malcolm, uh, Malcolm Stewart had that decent get-off uh, and managed to get his uh, knee brace hooked on his handlebars. Now, on initial replay of the video, things look bad for his ACL, I've got to say. High speed, high angle, touch the foot on the ground. Uh, the knee's crumpled on an angle. That's usually a bad sign for the ACL, but it turned out that he just managed to get the handlebars stuck into the uh, knee brace there and wasn't able to get it off. And obviously the handlebar going in there probably jammed into his knee. So I wouldn't be surprised he got some decent bruising, maybe even a bone bruise that uh, has, has you know, impacted his ability to um, finish that race and get out, of, get out of there quickly. He did manage to race the final moto on the night, but uh, obviously at a slightly less um, aggressive pace than he had done in the first two up to that point of that crash. But we believe that he will be back on track this week. Uh, in Atlanta, hopefully all recovered, maybe a little bit tender, but shouldn't be impacting him too much in his run to the end of the season with that one. But lucky, I honestly thought at that point when I saw him go down and clutching his knee and then they showed that replay, the first thing that jumped to my mind was, Jesus, he's just signed a two-year deal. He's finally going to do outdoors and he's going to miss it with an injury. Um, but hopefully that's not the case. So a bit lucky there for, uh, for uh, Malcolm Stewart. All right. Last one on the list here, Dean Wilson. All right, so Dean Wilson's injury. Look, this was the this was the weird one, um, and a bit a bit shocked on my part that there was no red flag called at this this time. Dino came off in the whoop section, managed to hit one of the uh, the sides of the jumps, or the, I think it was even the side of the over under, or something around that point there. No, it wasn't the over under. Just the side of one of the jumps. Um, as he came off and got trapped in the side of the track there between the whoops and that other rhythm lane, uh, he managed to, and if you can see the right angle of the video, there's been a few of them that have been put up there on social media over the last week. The right angle is shows that the bike sort of tips to the right, and as it tips to the right, Dino falls to the left and manages to land his ass straight on the upright foot peg. And that has basically just impaled into his butt cheek and ripped a hole in his butt. Now, if you go and check out... Dino's um, Instagram, there's a cool video on there of him laying in the bed and his wife is recording it and he says a few weird things and I dare say that's to do with the pain meds that he was on and just the lack of sleep at that point. But he points out that he had like a 10 inch hole in his ass um, and I don't think it was 10 inches, it probably might have been a few but it probably wasn't 10. He did say that the doctor could get her whole fist in there which is interesting but that fits with about the size of a foot peg. Um, but then he also said that he had three buttholes, which 
<laughs> his wife correctly pointed out that maybe you've got two now, but you definitely don't have three. So that was pretty funny. But um, look, the, there's been updates along the way. Dino's up, up, going to be up to four surgeries this week to repair it. The first two didn't stop the bleeding. They found out that he's since actually nicked the artery in that area as well, and that's why it's continued to bleed. So they've had to go back in a couple of times, try and repair that artery as well. He's still got one more, which I believe will be happening by the time you've heard this. Um, and we'll be seeing if he can then get out of hospital and get back home at least to start recovering. Um, he's going to be a fair few weeks. This is the size of that hole, the tissue that he's damaged, the artery that he's, he's damaged. I doubt we're going to see Dino again for Supercross. He's going to be at least six weeks off the bike. And even when he gets back to doing that, he might be needing a softer seat. <laughs> and maybe he might change his foot peg design. Who knows? But uh, he's definitely not going to like sitting down or seat bouncing any jumps for the near future. But we're just glad that Dino's okay. There was a, there was a point there where everything looked really weird. With, I felt that he, where he was trapped there in the track, he should have had a red flag thrown, especially when they started wrapping up his butt. It was obvious that something was wrong. Um, and even initially when he was laying there, you could just it looked like he had something majorly wrong. He wasn't moving. He was laying in a funny position. Uh, things just didn't look right. And I was very surprised that there wasn't a red flag thrown at that point. And a few of you guys out there that are probably listening to this uh, and engage with me on, on my Instagram account, uh, have said similar that you know they were shocked that that hadn't happened and I completely agree guys it's it was a bit weird um, but it didn't happen they got him off the track nothing happened but it was one of those ones that there was so much potential for it to go wrong one guy goes sideways in the whoops just like Dino did and they're going to collect Dino and the medic crew that was standing there trying to help him out so probably in hindsight they might have thrown that red flag again but for whatever reason they didn't on this occasion but hopefully Dino can uh, get his butt back together and go back to having one butthole in the next uh, in the next week or two, and I'll uh, just have just have to worry about the wound there. But uh, it's going to be a bit of a road for him. He's probably going to have to watch out for infection with that as well. So yeah, not not the greatest night for uh, for Dean Wilson there. But that's the updates on the riders out from the injuries um, <clears throat> from St. Louis now. There's one major rider returning that we found out during our interview with Tony Archer. It's coming up later in the show, and that is Austin Faulkner. Now, Austin Faulkner has been back on the bike for a week. He's done a couple, no, sorry, two, nearly two weeks now. By the time we get to the race this week, it'll be back on the bike for two weeks. He's done about four days on the outdoor track and about the same on Supercross. Uh, and if you listened into the interview, you'll hear those specific details from Tony, who's been with him day by day and has said that he's looking really good. So that's a great sign for Austin. He's had a rough trot with injuries recently, um, but at least he's on track to make his return at Atlanta. It is an East-West showdown. Uh, it will be difficult for him, but look, it's Austin Faulkner. He should be able to run up there pretty quickly, um, but good news that he's on his way back. All right, guys, let's jump over and talk some Always Moto Fantasy League uh, and how we're going on the Pulp MX platform there for fantasy. We've got the league there. Remember, we've got first place prize, second and third. The first place is being supplied by Goat Brand MX. They're supplying some knee brace socks to the winner. And then False Nutri Industries is supplying second and third place prizes, which will be a hat and um, some sunnies to the second and third place prizes. Um, so that's awesome that those guys are on board. Remember to find both those companies on 
social media and follow them so that you can be eligible for prizes in the Always Motor Fantasy League. Now, St. Louis winner, Ben Grinley, mate, you finally did it. You pulled off a 324 for the round. You were tied with Hayden Wolf and TJ. Mate, you're killing me, buddy. You got third in the, in the round. You got 321. Um, I had, personally, an average round. I got 13th. I got 281. Now, I was screwed with Pierce Brown, unfortunately, with those couple of issues that he had. Um, I didn't get any, pretty much any points with Pierce, which is terrible. Uh, and I can't remember my other one, but there was something else that happened in that that sort of was a bit less than I was expecting from them. Oh, that's right. I also lost points. I picked, tried to pick first to the finish line. I picked Jet and I picked Mal- Malcolm Stewart, and neither of them got anywhere near it on 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 St. Louis uh, night, which was sucked. So moving on to the series overall, uh, let's have a look at that one in the list. So we've still got Scrub and MBW. He's out in front. He is leading on three thousand two hundred forty nine. Three point back is MX Goat, and then only thirty nine points back from MX Goat is GMC two thirty. And then about 46 points back, we've got TJ um, in fourth. So TJ, you're still doing all right, mate, but you're not making the podium yet. You're not getting the prizes just yet. Um, but keep giving me stick. I'm going to get you one of these rounds, and then you're going to know all about it, buddy. <laughs> um, but like, like I remind you guys, TJ is pretty pretty good guy. Uh, he's from Moto X Pod Show. If you're not listening to their show, you should be. Um, so check them out. They're on. You'll find them on any of the podcast platforms as well. So that's Moto X Pod Show for you guys. Um, but yeah, so and myself, I'm currently rocking around in 15th. Um, and look, it's not a great 15th. I'm not in the top half. I want to get in the top half. I've got to find about 200 points to make my way into the top half. So it's going to be rough, but we're going to keep plugging away. We'll see if we can get something going on this weekend for Atlanta with the with the uh, overall result there in fantasy. All right, guys, and with the Fantasy League too, um, remember, we want you to post your team each week on your Instagram stories, um, tag us, as in Always Moto, tag Goat MX and tag False Neutral Industries on your team posts so that we can share them onto the team with the hashtag Always Moto Fantasy League. Uh, just a bit of fun there, guys. We're also trying to promote it for the upcoming outdoor series and see if we can get some other people on board um, to give a few more prizes and see if we can expand the league out a few more in terms of numbers overall. That would be fantastic if we can. All right, guys, uh, let's uh, move on. Let's do a little pre-prep talk on the interview coming up with Benny Bloss. So that's the first one we're going to play. Now, remembering Benny had some significant injuries pre-season. Uh, he was, had, he's made a few changes this year in terms of team and trainer and living location. Everything was looking really good for Benny, as you'll talk about in this interview. And then the inevitable crash and unfortunately had some injuries. Now, he initially only really posted about his collarbone injury. I did catch on from a couple of the x-rays that he put up at the beginning that there was a leg injury as well. Um, And I'd listed those things in his injury reports. But even I didn't know about some of this stuff that he then talks about. So check it out. It's some interesting stuff. Uh, And also, funnily enough, after the interview, we're just having a bit of a general chat and a bit of a joke about, you know, Australian medical system versus the US medical system and how much things costed. And I got to say that the the ambulance price that he told me that he had to get from Parlour to the to the nearby hospital, which was about a forty minute ride, it was in the thousands. And I nearly fell off my chair when he told me it's pretty damn expensive for an ambulance over there. 
Um, and that was basically, he said he had insurance uh, and there wasn't much re- reimbursed, which for us Aussies, we get a reasonable amount. If you got private health insurance, you get a reasonable coverage on that and it wouldn't be that near as much as that. But it was interesting to hear these things and have an off-the-cuff chat, off chat with him afterwards as well. But great interview. So ch- stick around, um, listen to it, and we will uh, catch you back in between just to prep into the next one after that. So on to the interview with Benny Bloss. All right, guys and girls, now on the Always Moto podcast, we've got a special guest joining us to talk about the return from injury that he's just done at St. Louis this weekend. Uh, it's Team Tedder's Benny Bloss. How are we doing, Benny? Doing good. Thanks for having me on. No, I appreciate the time, mate, and it's good, glad to see you back on track. We thought you might have uh, missed the whole Supercross season in 2022 when you put out that post at the beginning or the end of December there, um, but it's good to see you back on track. Yeah, thank you. I I was uh, pretty non-social, I guess, on social media. I was pretty much from the time the injury happened. I was just like, I did one post and I had planned on like documenting my whole injury. And I, it's kind of funny, I ended up doing none of it. Um, <laughs> but finally, I was able to race. At, like at first it was, oh, you're going to get to race at the first East Coast round. And then it was just like every time i'd go to the doctor it just got pushed back further and further yeah okay so a bit obviously a bit going on there for you with the injury but um look you made it eventually and 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 honestly when you when you say that you're a bit quiet on on social and you're talking about going to document it all you kind of went the way of most of the pros these days where they sort of give you a little little update at the beginning but then there's nothing for you know six or eight weeks and then all of a sudden guess what i'm back on a bike you know so it wasn't wasn't too unusual really yeah, I I don't even know why like most people do that because when I talk to people, I wasn't really secretive about anything. Like I shared pretty much all the details that I was going through. It was just I honestly didn't have anything like any pictures or videos to post. And so I was just and I'm terrible at taking pictures <laughs> to post on the Instagram and stuff. And so it was just I just never really posted anything. So uh, that's definitely something that I lack, whether I'm injured or not. And so I need to get better with that. Yeah, look, generally, obviously, things are going to that social media marketing sort of stuff, aren't they? But I think that's sort of where I try to come in with a bit of this, uh, these injury updates and the, and the podcast focusing on those recoveries from injury and stuff, because everybody wants to hear from you guys and they want to know what, you, what you're going through. And I think this is a good platform for you to at least tell us what happened and you know um the the fans get to get a bit more understanding of what you guys go through to be on the track each week yeah i think that people definitely want to know more um and that's something that the sport as a whole i think should work on so thanks for having me on for here and i can kind of share what i've been going through yeah definitely now look things Things looked pretty good for you coming into the the preseason. There, you you know, got on the team tether bike. You you were back, I believe, training with Davy Millsaps, wasn't it? Or, or started training with Davy Millsaps, but then it was, it was sort of mid or late December that this injuries occurred. So talk us through how things set up there, and then obviously the the injury. Yeah, so things were going great. I uh, signed with Team Tether like mid October, which is kind of late, but. Um, Signed with them, 
made the decision that I was going to move to California for, to be there full time for the season. Um, I started working with Millsaps, like you said, which was a complete new training program for me. Yeah. And like the amount of progress that I had made was ridiculous. Like just, I was truly in like in December, mid December, I was the best I'd ever been physically. I was the lightest I've been in probably my entire pro career. Um, just every, it seemed like everything was clicking and going really, really well. And then the week of Christmas comes around, um, had a really good day Monday doing motos. And then Tuesday I go to the track and was feeling really, really good on the bike. And I yeah. did some sprints and then I, all I had left to do was a moto. And so I go out for the moto and it was like second lap of the moto. I just made a little mistake in a corner and I was yeah. wheel tapping this little triple thing and the mistake, I kind of lost my speed heading into it. And I still tried to wheel tap mm-hmm. and I just don't think I got far enough up on the middle one yeah. and straight over the bars into a triple face. Mm-hmm. And like, I instantly knew, I thought for sure that I broke like my mid leg. Cause I could feel down somewhere in between my ankle and my knee, but it was like pretty low felt just excruciating pain. Okay. Yeah. And so I'm just, I'm just like laying on the track, right? Like people have to stop riding I'm in the middle of the track. I can't get up. I can't, like, I can't walk, not, nothing. And it's then on a public track too, is it? At this my point team manager was actually the, yeah, it was Paula, which was public. Okay. There was, there was probably like 20 people there that day. Yep. Um, thankfully it happened at Paula because they were the only track that they actually had like medics stationed at the supercross track. Okay. Good, um, good so they were able to get to me immediately. Yeah. So, so they're there. My team manager, Dakota Tedder was there. And so I'm like laying in the middle of the, this face of this triple and they're like trying to figure out, they're like, okay, can we take your boot off? And I was like, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Just don't even <laughs> touch my leg. And then like, they're looking at me and they're like, uh, we think your collarbone might also be broken because it's really pointing out weird. And I was also having pain in my back. And, you know, they're like, come on ambulance. And I was like, absolutely not. I don't want to have to pay for that. <laughs> and then so they pull my truck out onto the track and like e- they just start to slightly move me. And I was like, OK, new plan. Call the ambulance. We, I need <laughs> to get to a hospital. Quick. And like we're, yeah, we're. I'm just like, there's no chance you're putting me in that truck. Yeah. So ambulance gets there, take me to the hospital. Like they tried to take my boot off in the ambulance, and it was just not working out. So I go to the hospital. They had to put me to sleep, and while they did that, they were able to get my boot off, do like all the scans that they needed, and then. So then I'm just like in the ER and they come in and they're like, so your ankle's broken, your collarbone's broken and your back's broken. And I was like, uh, my back is broken. Yeah. And so they have me in like, in like a neck brace and they're like, you can't move. And I was like, uh, okay. So like they've got, they're giving me the pain medicine and it was making me really, really sick. And so 
I want to say like every like 30 minutes or so I was puking and I'm in a neck brace, super uncomfortable laying on my back. And they're like, if you're pu- if you puke, you have to just stay still and puke. And like, oh. I, I can't really do, I can't really do that with <laughs> the situation. And so this I kept moving like to my side and the nurse, I mean, just a horrible day. It's like four <laughs> days before Christmas or something. My wife super mad at me on her way to the on her way down to the hospital um and so finally i'm just like you know i like my back feels it hurts but i need to move to my side so i keep moving to my side every time i'm getting sick and the nurse is coming in yelling at me but like they when they had came in and they were like told me what my injuries were i didn't say anything about like how bad they were yeah okay they didn't tell me where in my back was broken. Like it was just, Hey, your back's broken. Your ankle's broken. Your collarbone's broken. Okay. We'll be back in two hours. And so I'm just like super confused at the time. And then they end up getting me to a room and they come in and they're like, your back's just kind of fractured, like on the wing. It's not really bad. You can move. You're fine. Yep. So that's all right. Then. At that and then, point. so I was like, okay, well, well then, Yeah. Yeah. So now I'm a lot more comfortable and got set up in a room, got medicine that wasn't going to make me sick anymore. And it was weird because I, my ankle was feeling really, really bad. And the doctors came in and they're like, you know, your ankle needs surgery, but it's not bad. Like it's a clean break. Mm -hmm. Your collarbone is a clean break. It doesn't need surgery. It's like, they said it was broken like straight, like the okay. bone was still straight. Yep. And they were like, we need to wait a few days before we can do surgery on your ankle to let the swelling go out. Yep. And I had been in contact with an ankle specialist, or at least my team had been in contact with Dr. Nas in Fullerton, California. Yeah. And so like, I didn't even really have plans to get surgery there. And we ended up getting it scheduled where so I, I crashed on Tuesday and stayed in the hospital Tuesday night and I ended up leaving the hospital like midday Wednesday and we drove like the hour and a half to Fullerton to get surgery and so like they give me pain medicine and rip my IV out and then I instantly leave <laughs> to try to get to the hospital and like yeah. a manageable time yeah <laughs> And I get to the hospital and he like the doctor looks at the scans and he was just like, this is not broken clean through. Like it is, he basically said it looked like an explosion went off. Um, so it kind of made me mad that the doctor at the hospital was like, yeah, it's, it's broken, but it's not, it's not broken really bad yeah. when in fact it was. And then, so I get surgery and he like after surgery, he's like, it was a lot worse than the scan showed too. Oh, and right. Yeah. So he fixed that up and then get out of the hospital the next day. And a week later, I go to Dr. Greenbaum, a different doctor to do my collarbone. Cause I was like, you know, I'm going to be off with my ankle anyways. I might as well make sure my collarbone's as strong as it can be. And I had been talking to him and he's like, surgery would be the best option. So then I go into his office, get an x-ray and he's like, comes back in and he's like, the they told you that your collarbone was straight and I was like yeah and it was it was like looked like a teepee like 
This really, is really great. These angled. stories so far, Benny. These are these are terrible stories of um how bad the uh, just general ER sort of scenario can be. Like, man, it couldn't have got any worse. Just while I got it here, but did they figure out why you were throwing up so much? Were you having like an allergic reaction to the medication they gave you initially, or was it just that you was that you know um, zonked from the all the injuries and all the blood flow going everywhere that you just couldn't hold anything in your stomach? Did they figure that out or not? They didn't really say I've just kind of always had an issue with some of the medicine that they were giving me. And that's like another thing I had told them, you know, the, in the past, unfortunately I've been in the hospital more times than I'd like. These are the medicines that have worked for me. And these are the ones that have not. And they were like, you know, well, these are what we like and these are what usually work. And so they give them to me and they get me sick and (laughs) So good, good so listening I, to that's the just, client. I've had issues them. in the past with those medicines. Yeah, they could have listened a yeah, little better. Yeah. Like really, overall, yeah, overall, great experience at that hospital. <laughs> um, <laughs> so then, like, it's just I, I've had luck like that multiple times at hospitals in the past. So I'm, um, you know, it doesn't really surprise me. Yeah, look, for, for you guys at that sort of professional level too, like obviously one emergency room is usually the first point of call when there's a serious injury and, and that's fair enough. But if you have any time to, to review the injury and talk to somebody at a special specialized level, I always recommend that you do because these stories that you're telling now are too familiar for, for us moto guys that, you know, have to have, you know, things working well and get done repaired properly. You know, you hear so many bad stories of things getting butchered or missed or, or like you're getting given wrong pain medications. Like you've got to find the better doctors, like the, the ER public system sort of ones that they're, they're not usually fantastic at that role. They're, they're good enough to screen you, but they're not necessarily the ones you want chopping you open and telling you that it's all, or just a clean break when it clearly wasn't for you. Yeah, exactly. If for anyone listening, I, if you get in a situation where you do need surgery, I highly recommend going to someone that is a specialist in that specific region of the body, because it will definitely uh, make your life a lot better for the future. (laughs) So you um, finally got these things fixed. So back right? to the collarbone, like yeah, yeah. I get, I get, I get the collarbone surgery, and it's then like I'm all good. And then so now I'm on the road to recovery, and um, my back was feeling like there was like one spot, like mid back, that had just kind of felt weird the whole time because um, the spot that I had the little fracture was in my low back, mm-hmm. and so I just went to just like a little place and got an x-ray and they were like oh you have a compression fracture and oh, like your mid back and i was like uh what this is, this is more to so this it's <laughs> like there's another thing that the er missed Sheesh. and then i also had a broken rib as well so what <laughs> then that was like the end of it yeah so it was that comes up come to find out i broke my back in two spots i broke a rib I destroyed my ankle and I broke my collarbone. So then it was like, okay, now we're on the road to recovery and everything's good. And up we're going straight downhill from here fast, trying to get everything good. But it was, it was a rough first, like three to four weeks. I would say it was, was very difficult. 
Sounds like it. Um, <laughs> just all that, you know, all in this, all in that, you know, how, geez, I, that's, um, obviously the, the pain in the ankle was pretty solid to uh, make you miss some of those other things, even yourself to maybe not mention them as well as you might've needed to like far out, um, bit going on for you. So at what point did they, you know, you got all these things fixed. I gather this is sort of like what end of January, early February, you're finally all fixed and realize what you've broken everywhere. Um, how long from that point until you're actually able to start doing something, you know, training wise again? Um, so I was basically just in my bed for the first from ankle surgery. I'd say five weeks, I was very limited to like even getting up. I was not allowed to put any weight on my ankle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that really, I couldn't do much of anything. Um, and, and then like once five weeks hit, then it was like, you know, you can start to put pressure on your foot. And as soon as I heard that, it was like, okay, I think I started walking without crutches within like three days of that. Yeah. Um, I still, I had like a, like a walking boot on, um, oh, yeah. yep. and I instantly started cycling with my walking boot on and then like two weeks after that I started riding outside with just my cycling shoes on mm -hmm. um and so at that point I was going to the doctor every two weeks and because originally I was told right before surgery that it'd probably be a six-week thing I'd be able to ride in six weeks yep and then so it's like then I go into the doctor at I want to say seven weeks and so where I broke on my ankle was like the ball on the inside was where I did the majority of the damage. Yeah. But then on the outside, I had also broke like a piece off of that. So he had put a screw on the outside. Okay. So yeah. then at seven weeks, he said he wanted to take the screw out of the outside. So then I had a third surgery to get that screw taken out. And I think I probably had that at like nine weeks and then two more weeks and I was back on the bike as in back on the, uh, the moto or cycling. Yes. Dirt yeah. bike. Yeah. Right. I, okay. I want to say after the, after the surgery with the, where they took the screw out, I think I was back on my bicycle like three days after that. Well, that's pretty quick. Really? Like that's, that's good. Um, so obviously it wasn't any issue like with it from a, you know, wound healing point of view to, to get out and do that stuff either. So that's, that's pretty quick turnaround, man. Yeah, no, it was nice. It was like, I think I, the score for the, the last one was only like four stitches. So um, <laughs> just put a bandaid over it. And yeah. Nothing compared to the things you've probably gone through already. So yeah, that's pretty easy. Um, <laughs> So, so what we're talking, um, what you've been back on the moto for what, four weeks then at this point before you've come to the race or is it a bit over that? Yeah. I want to say it was like four, four and a half weeks. Um, I, I, I started on outdoors, um, yep. obviously just trying to nothing crazy, like no big jumps or anything. I think I was riding the vet track for the first week at the local tracks and then I think I probably got four, maybe five days of supercross before I raced. 
Okay, so you didn't didn't have heaps of prep time there on the Supercross track, but um, a little bit. So did everything in those first you know first few motos on the vet track? Everything felt like solid. It didn't. There wasn't pain with this stuff that when you're jumping back into that sort of load. Oh no! Honestly, it hurt really bad. Okay, <laughs> the ankle mainly, I gather. Yeah, the collar, but like collarbone and back, pretty much two weeks into the thing into the like recovery process and like those just stopped bothering me okay um so i came back to riding and i had been doing uh, like sports tape my ankle and it i don't know if it was just the pressure like of how tight everything was taped it was just every single time I take off a jump or I'd land on a jump, no matter how big or small, like it was really, really bothering me. Yeah. And then, so I ended up taking the, the tape off, which I, like, I've always just been told, you know, taping it is always better. And it's like, as soon as I took the tape off, it was way better, like way less pain. <laughs> and like my ankle was more free, I guess. Um, but e- like, even now, this weekend racing it's still like it doesn't feel good when i ride but Mm. it's just something that i think i gotta break in i guess i don't don't know well it'll still like any any of these injuries you know no matter what you do at a fracture level you know it still takes time to to remodel the bone and then have all that scar tissue that's gone along with this injury sort of straighten back out or, or, or actually, you know, rip back into place to allow the movement to come back. So you're probably just working through all that stuff at this stage still, and you probably will do for another couple of months yet. Um, but the taping bit is an interesting one, obviously me being physio and listening to you talk about that. Was this something that you were doing um, yourself to tape or like your wife was doing, or were you getting somebody, you know, to do it for you? Cause taping can go sideways really quickly just on, just on pressure and just on where you actually put it, like there's different ways to do the same thing, um, you know, from a, from a technique point of view. So it, it could be, could be complicated there, but was it you doing it yourself or, or what was the setup there? Yeah. So it was me involved with some YouTube videos that I was watching. <laughs> so uh, highly skilled then, application here by sounds of it then. Yeah. After, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. After, I, I was talking to Dr. Navarro. He were, he's uh, who I work with at the races and sometimes during the week as well. And he was like, well, you taping it is probably not the best situation because if you're not doing it correctly, it's going to make things worse. So sounds like it did too, by the way. And I was like, yeah. I mean, I guess that made, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. There's unfortunately when you do, try and do it yourself, you're usually at the wrong angle and, and usually at a distance trying to do it. So you can't get around the way you want to and see exactly where you're putting it. So you, you've got to have be pretty good at it. And yeah, obviously you just might've been missing the mark and maybe just doing it too tight for what you needed to, because um, the tape, if it's too tight, it just restricts everything. And, and lots of people will say it felt so much better when I ripped it off. And that's what you've just, just, just described. So makes sense. Yeah. I just, you know, I was like, surely I can do this. Right. But uh, <laughs> I highly recommend to anyone make sure you get professional help. 
<laughs> yeah, unfortunately for me, for you guys, professional help usually means um, an expense with that too, you know, and, and, and your medical system on that side of things doesn't sound like it's too cheap from, uh, from an Aussie looking in and in, in at it. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, there's definitely improvements that could be made in that, in that situation. Fair enough. So, um, so what's the plan like with these injuries now? Like, have the doctor said to you that they want to look at you again anytime soon, or do you have to have any, you know, any of the screws or, or metal work taken out at the end of the season or anything like that? Is that on the cards for you, or is it all staying put? Um, so I was told by my ankle doctor that if I want to say it was maybe like a year I could get everything taken out if I wanted to. Yep. But he's, he said that that's only like, if I absolutely really want it taken out, but he recommends that I leave it in. So I'll probably just keep it in there. Um, and collarbone, I'm not really sure I could get it taken out next year as well, but I've never, I've never had a collarbone plated, so I don't, I don't know what most people do in that situation. Um, I figure out to ask around and <laughs> I guess if it's not bothering me, there's no reason to get it taken out. Well, yeah. And that's the normal scenario, right? If it's not bothering you, it usually just, it's easy just to stay there. Cause obviously there's other, other risks that go along with surgeries when you do them, you know, and like, obviously the first one to put them in there is necessary, but the ones to remove them aren't always, you know, necessary. They can stay there, right? So you're, re you're reducing risk of infections and blood clots and all that sort of stuff. But um, the, the interesting one lately seems to be obviously those collarbone ones and where they've got, the, they've got a plate and they still manage to break it around the plate and then they have to have it removed and reinserted in a different way to recover from. So it's, um, that's happened a couple of times this season from, for a few people. I think... Um, was it Austin Faulkner? Didn't he, didn't he, I think he had his, this one that he broke with, with, um, with jet, that incident with jet. I think that was a plated one if I'm remembering correctly, but there's been another guy as well this season that had to have the plate removed because it broke around the plate and then they've had to put it back in over the top of it sort of thing. So it's, um, it's interesting. It's up to you sort of thing, whether you do or you don't. Yeah. I've, I've heard about those two having those issues. And so, but then I've heard from other people in the past, like, you know, don't get your plate taken out. So I, I don't really know. I guess I'd leave it up to the doctor. He's probably smarter than me in that situation. We, we would hope so for that particular reason, you know, for the, for the medical side of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, look, I would, the main thing is for, for, for the moto guys, cause so much load goes through your body. You're obviously putting pressure on it. You're making the plates and the screws sort of, you know, can twist and, and turn and, and I've had guys before where they, you know, things have started, like screws have started to back out. So it's always worthwhile at that sort of year mark, like the doctor's talking about, you might not be planning to get the, get them taken out, but it's always worth just getting an x-ray and just making sure that it's all sitting where they left it, you know, a year earlier. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And that's funny you say that there's, like one of the screws, I can feel it on my collarbone. And so I got an x-ray to make sure that it wasn't backing out and it's not, but I, it's weird. Cause I can see it and feel it through my <laughs> skin, but I'd, I'd say I'll probably end up getting it taken out. Yeah. Yeah. I had a guy once in the clinic and he had a foot fracture and had, a, had like multiple of the metatarsals broken and he had a big plate across there with all the screws. 
and he goes to me, oh, what do you reckon this lump is? It's been there. It's been getting worse the last few days. And I put my finger on it and went, oh, well, that's a Phillips head screwdriver, screw right there. And he's like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's the screw backing out. We need to talk to the surgeon. So <laughs> it, it does happen. But yeah, you've got to oh, keep an eye on them. Goodness. It, it'll, it freaks people out when you say, hey, feel this, feel this. That's my screw, you know? <laughs> so yeah, just keep that one on. Keep an eye on it as you go. Yeah. Fortunately, I've never really had that issue in the past so it's kind of new territory for me definitely definitely so what's the plans for you now obviously back on track at st louis you know probably building building up fitness and stuff at this point um obviously hoping to hit the rest of the supercross rounds uh yeah so i'll be at the last four i guess is what it would be um supercross races and then i plan on doing the whole outdoor schedule um, I don't have a deal figured out for that yet, but I'm trying to work on it, trying to figure something out to do the outdoors. Um, I kind of feel like I'm more of an outdoor guy just from results in the past. And I just kind of enjoy it a little bit better. Um, yeah. but so one way or another, I think I'll be at the races cool. for all of summer and maybe even try to do some races in the off season as well. Yeah, nice. Well, obviously, all those things are starting to come back on the schedules now, aren't they, from um, the, the last two years of COVID breakdowns and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, so obviously, hopefully, a, a full schedule coming up for you, mate. Yeah, that's the plan. That's the goal, at least. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, man, well, look, we'll, we'll leave it there, but we really appreciate you joining us on the Always Moto podcast. Um, thanks for your time, Benny. Thanks for having me. I really, really enjoyed it. Thanks, mate. Talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right, guys, we're back between interviews here on the Always Moto podcast, episode 20. Uh, so, Benny Bloss, thanks again, mate. I was appreciative of you, very appreciative of your time. I'm glad to see you back on the bike and a few rounds to go for Supercross uh, and hopefully making some plans for the outdoors as well. Second interview this week. Guys, I'm spoiling you. This week we've got two interviews and they're two really good interviews. So Benny Bloss was awesome. The next one coming up is uh, Tony Archer and he is a Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki um, mechanic and his, his rider is Austin Faulkner and he's given us some great insights into what's going on for the team whilst they've had a few riders out this season and what he gets to do when his rider isn't at the races each week. Uh, and also talks about how Austin is looking heading back in his comeback this weekend at Atlanta. So stick around, guys, uh, and here we go with the interview. All right, guys and girls, a little bit of a different perspective coming up here on the Always Moto podcast. We've we've gone outside of the box with this one for a little bit for uh, for our interview this week. Um, try to get a different perspective of how things affect the team um, when a rider goes out injured. We've got from Monster Energy Pro Circuit Kawasaki, we've got the mechanic for Austin Faulkner. We've got Tony Archer on the line. Thanks for joining us, mate. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it, mate. Um, it's always interesting when these riders go out, you know, you see the the the, the press releases from, from the team about the rider and they're out for so long and, you know, they sort of disappear off the scene and, you never really get to hear from the other side of it about, you know, what you guys end up doing for that period. Like you're employed with the team and 
thought we'd ask, ask and see how things go for you guys when, when that happens, when your riders disappear for a couple of weeks. Well, I mean, the good thing for us, I say good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Obviously, we'd, we'd rather be working with our rider and racing because, you know, that's, that's why we're here. But, uh, I mean, with PC, I mean, we have such a huge workload that, uh, you know, we can, you know, with our rider out, and you know, we don't have, you know, a bike to really maintain daily. We get to take a little bit of weight off the other mechanics because uh, at PC, we, we build our own engines. So that's another thing piled on top of just keeping the bike together. So like, comes out, you know, we're, uh, we're, we're having to pull that apart, you know, check everything, spec everything out, and then, you know, put it back together, dyno it, and, uh, and get it back in the bike, you know. And that, that's, you know, not only practice engines, but our race, race engines as well, as well, we're all responsible for. So, you know, if we have a guy out, you know, I will out building engines that the other guys might be a little you know overloaded to do which they'll get it done regardless but i'm able to take that weight off of them you know and if they travel i can go to the track with their riders while they're gone traveling to build their bikes for the race and everything or you know i go to the race and i'm just an extra guy a helper in, in case you know some sort of emergency or to help set up or anything that needs to be done so there there's always a large amount of work to do and it's just you know when when we have the time we try to help where we can yeah right so you so you, you covered one of the things i was going to ask about like you do still travel to to these events even though your ride is not there and do you do that for like every round or is there any sort of sometimes you'll go to different different ones depending on you know i guess who's in and who's out like you guys have had a few guys out particularly with um with uh seth going out earlier in the season too like you know different coasts for your team too would you only go to the coast you designated to or you just might go anywhere uh, a little bit of each honestly whoever's available but yeah for a little bit there the only rider we had was was cameron so we had four mechanics that were available to go to any of them so they just they just rotated us out you know based on like, you know, every other weekend, someone different goes that way. No one, you know, if we're not working, you know, on our race bikes or with the rider at the race, you know, it's, uh, it's kind of like, we're there just, just in case type of thing. So sometimes there's a lot of standing around and a lot of waiting and we're just there to help set up and tear down. You know, if everything goes smooth, that's, that's how it should be. You know, that's, that's, that's a good thing, you know, for the team that we don't have that much to do. We don't have any like emergencies or anything, but yeah, it just rotates us out. It's, one weekend I'll go and then I get like two weekends off and then you know I go back again so it just depends on if if we have a mechanic that wants to go to every single one of them and he wants to go as the extra guy then you know he goes to a little bit more I, I have a family so um if they send me cool if they don't cool um obviously if I have a rider racing it's, it's a little more exciting for me yeah right of, of course obviously you, you're a bit more invested then too at the day when you're at the track at that point for the race day as well if it's your rider aren't you so it'd make a difference in that sense too yeah so when like those weekends yep. that you do get off um are, are you is it is it affecting like your i don't want to ask dollars or anything here but do you get paid the same whether you're there or not um from 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 the team point of view for, for you specifically yeah, so when we sign up to the beginning of the year, uh, when we have a salary, so we're, we work off that salary. And trust me, we're still working. You know, there's still a lot of work to do during the week and everything. Um, so just being at home on the weekends doesn't really make a difference because, you know, I mean, we work those whole five days of the week. And then on the weekend, we have our time off, which is fine. But 
we make up for it in, in a lot of different ways because when those guys travel, I mean, we we leave on Wednesdays. We, we would fly out on a Wednesday normally if, if our guy was racing. We fly on a Wednesday. You know, we get there. We build our bikes on Thursday, and then you do tech Friday, race Saturday, fly home Sunday. Sometimes if the weather's not great in a location the following weekend we'll do a build on thursday and a build on sunday so it's a wednesday all the way till you know you don't get home till midday monday you know you're you're home tuesday you fly back out wednesday you know and that's that's like the when it gets gnarly and it gets wide open so when a mechanic's doing all that they're you know it they have no choice they need they need help so that's where we come in obviously like we'd rather have our riders mm. healthy and riding but when you know that's not an option you know we are there to you know help them in any way we can because it is it's a grind for sure that's a pretty heavy schedule you're just saying there too like you know the amount of time to, to build the bike in a day sort of thing and then do it twice in the week and does that time schedule but like uh does it change like if you guys do um a press day on a thursday does that all bring forward a day as well too or does that just add to it like you add another day into the week for you uh, luckily they've been doing all the press days on Friday this year. So that kind of keeps it normal for us. Um, so we'd still do our normal build on Thursday, okay. ride Friday, you know, and then just do our normal prep. So if it will, I mean, I haven't been around for anything since they've moved it to Friday, as far as press day goes, um, as far as, uh, as long as I've been wrenching, it's always been a Friday press. So mm. I'd assume, yeah, we'd have the bike built Wednesday for a Thursday press. Um, or we'd have to build Sunday day before, you know, or Sunday after the previous race. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. So with like Austin went out, unfortunately early ish in this, uh, this West, oh, sorry, East coast, um, series for, for you guys, what does that mean? Like what happens to his bike? Um, you know, after that round, like obviously you probably still tear it down and, and basically get it prepped, but does it, just sit there prepped ready to go now until the next time he wants it or you know and he might not actually use it for supercross does it then have to get flipped over to an outdoor setting or something what happens to that bike in that that period yeah after the crash um i still tore the bike down still rebuilt the engine and uh and did all that and then the following weekend i still traveled to i think it was daytona the weekend after Mm -hmm. and i still rebuilt the bike and got it as if you were racing. Um, and yeah, it, it just sits in the semi because we have no we have no way to get it back to the shop. So it's in the semi together. And, you know, God forbid we need it for something else. But yeah, all the bikes, you know, stay together on the semi and uh, until Austin's ready. And that that's uh, this, this weekend we should be coming back in Atlanta. So it should be, should be good to go. And we, we know it's right. Obviously, I'll have to go back through it and check things, but... Yeah, so there will be a bit more of a, a recheck again. That obviously, it's probably sat. What, what's that like? Four, or five weeks now that it's been sitting stationary. Obviously, <laughs> not doing much. Yeah, I mean, besides it being loaded and unloaded out of the semi when when we're setting up and tearing down, it really hasn't hasn't done much moving. I think the guys just, you know, if I'm not at the race, they'll fire every bike up just to make sure everything's fine, and you know nothing gets clogged up or because it's just stagnant you know those things they don't like to sit um so they just fire them up let them run for a little bit get warm turn down until you know until the next week and try to keep them as ready as possible yeah right okay 
So, so you mentioned that Austin's actually going to be trying to hit a supercross at, at Atlanta, at least. That's that's pretty pretty good. He's only been back on the bike what a week to two now, isn't it? Yeah, this week was his second full week back on the bike. So this week we're in right now is the second full week back on the bike. And uh, honestly, he wanted to race St. Louis, but um, Cowie and Mitch all agreed that you know, it was a bit too soon because he had. Uh, two days on the bike outdoors and then another two days on supercross and he was like in, in my opinion he looked really good on the bike already which obviously we, we all know he can go out and go fast almost yeah. any time it was just uh they were just like hey look let's not rush back into this let's be smart and let's just take our time he said you're you're not in the points chase so what what's the difference of missing st louis and not and i get his perspective he's a racer he's paid to race and uh he, he wants out there because he's missed a lot of supercross the past couple of years but Again, I, I see both sides. He wants to race, and Cowie wants him to do it right and be able to per- perform, you know, at his best. They, they expect him to go out and, you know, compete for wins and podiums. There's there's no cruising around, and you know, at, at 70, 80 percent, and uh, and that being acceptable. No, from especially for a guy at Austin's level too. Like it's got to be worth worthwhile in the sense that he, he's out there and he's competing and he's not then putting the rest of his season you know he's not far out from outdoors now putting all those things at risk if he's not quite ready so you can understand that corporate sort of mindset at that level can't you from from their viewers but austin obviously just wants to ride the bike if he can so yeah like i said i definitely see both sides it's tough it's tough for Cowie to say no because I'm sure they need bikes on the track and they obviously want him out on the on the track because they're allowing him to race but they, they wanted to do it the right way they didn't want to just rush it send him out as soon as he was ready to you know ride the bike again they wanted him to like okay let's get a good solid weekend put in some motos you know your base is still there but like you know get that grit back of just grinding it out and mm. he's been he's been cranking out the laps man trying to kind of prove himself because they were like in if you can crank out this many laps and keep your, keep your pace and like stay up on it, like we'll, we'll let you go. And he's, uh, he's kind of been exceeding that expectation, I think. So, uh, yeah, we, we should be good to go. We're heading to Atlanta at East West showdown. So a little bit tougher, but I mean, to their point, if he's ready, it shouldn't matter, you know? So I think he's ready to go and he's been looking really good. Yeah, that's exactly it, isn't it? It shouldn't matter which race he comes back to if he's fit and healthy. So yeah, that that's um still it's gonna be a tougher one, obviously, but um yeah, it should be should be good. So for the for the last two weeks, what's what's been changed for you in terms of like you're actually going to practice tracks again, I gather, now um, a bit more often and a bit, bit more targeted with the with uh with Austin again. Is is it, is it been a bit of a change for you to things as he's back riding and as per normal schedule? Yeah, it's definitely a change. Uh, the time when, you know, he was out and I was at the shop, you know, there's a lot of shop tasks. There's a lot of tasks of like helping the other mechanics and stuff. And eventually like, you know, if I'm at the shop working, I need to be working and I'm just cranking out these jobs. But eventually you start running thin on, thin on jobs. So I started <laughs> kind of having to uh, be a little more creative with, uh, with things to do in a sense, you know, I mean, obviously there's always something to do, but it was just like searching for him because like, you know, we had four mechanics at one point that were all doing the same thing as me. It's like, there's only so much work to go around, you know, when, when you don't have riders using parts and putting time on parts. So you can only expect so many bottom ends. uh, (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Like, okay. I, 
we have one guy putting time on an engine and then yeah. that engine times out and we got four people that all want to work on it. You yeah. know? So it was, it was a bit like a, a feeding frenzy in a sense, man. It was crazy. But um, now that we got pretty much everyone back riding now, uh, minus obviously Cameron with his injury, he just got, mm, that's really yeah. unfortunate. Um, Seth is back. Joe is good to go. Austin's good. Um, Jet Reynolds, I'm not sure his timeline. I think he's, three maybe four weeks out i'm not 100 percent sure on that from from being back on the bike uh, but yeah so we got guys back on bikes now and uh yeah we're we're busy again you know so we got austin and seth and joe put time on bikes and you know even three guys they're they're putting a lot of time in and seth is doing some outdoor stuff and that's obviously a lot harder on the bike than supercross is but you know it is it's good it's keeping us busy again and mm. i i love being at the track myself um it's it's definitely where where it feels like home for me that's that's why i continue to do my uh what i do now when when i quit racing myself so well that's yeah i was just gonna say like you're you're an ex-racer yourself so obviously being at a track is a is a common sort of feeling for you so it'd probably be more more natural than being stuck in the four walls of the factory you know with just the the the, um fluorescent light turned on sort of thing Yeah, no, I, it definitely is, man. I, it's been funny because when when the whole thing came up for Austin to go race St. Louis, um, you know, Mitch kind of asked me my opinion where he was at and if he should race. And I said, look, you don't want to ask me because I'm biased. Like, I, I want to go race under any circumstances. Like, I want to go compete. That's, that's why I continue to be in this industry. Like, I, I still need that, you know, uh, that competitive edge. Obviously, I'm kind of through Austin and through the riders I work with now, but uh, it's still there, man. I still want it. I still want to be a part of it. You know, I want to, I want to push people to, to be their best. And, uh, yeah. I'm not really doing that when I'm in the shop, you know, just cranking out, you know, shop work. <laughs> no, it becomes more of like the dealership mechanic at that point, doesn't it? <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's still, it's still work I'm passionate about, but you know, you gotta have a good balance of it too. Yeah, definitely. So when, um, like when there was was the four of you guys standing there, probably looking at yourselves, going, "Who's going to take this one motor apart?" Does it is there any you know like you guys have um, uh, Ivan Tedesco still, don't you? Doing like testing bits and pieces. Does anybody get you know spread over to that side of things, or does he already have a separate you know mechanic for that side of things that he does? Yeah, actually, that's uh, that's a good point. Um, we have. Right now, uh, Jet Reynolds mechanic, Ryan Hughes, he is the one going to the track with Ivan and stuff because he's been available. And uh, I've been more like in the shop and he's been helping the Ivan thing. But for a while there, Ivan, you know, once we got our Supercross package set up, Ivan wasn't really going to the track. So mm. that wasn't that wasn't something extra on top of us all. But just in the last week and a half, two weeks, he's been he's been cranking out a bunch of testing work for, for outdoors. Yeah. So at least two days a week, we have Ivan riding and Sometimes it just turns into double duty for whoever's going to the outdoor track that day. Like Jacob, Jacob Martin is Seth, uh, Seth Amaker's mechanic and he'll take both bikes with him to the outdoor track and he'll just do double duty for Ivan and Seth. And when he gets back, you know, maybe one of us will wash and prep the bike so he doesn't have to do yeah. double duty on that as well. So he can give his full attention to his motorcycle. So. It's, it sounds like when, when everybody's there and riding, it's a, you know, a busy, busy, busy time for you guys, but obviously, you know, one or two riders goes out, 
and and things start to probably feel a bit foreign around the place you know you like you said not not much to do bit you know trying to help out here and there but it's um it's obviously just nicer if they all stay fit and healthy yeah if they're all fit and healthy man it is definitely a grind um it's definitely a, a lot of work to, to stay with one rider and you know if we have all five guys going plus ivan you know that that's a big task for us because you know, there's been a couple times where Ivan's bike, I don't want to say has been overlooked, but, you know, we have a log book for every motorcycle that we have in the shop. And, you know, it's like, you know, at certain hours we put on certain parts. And yep. sometimes we'll get close to being to the end of the life on those parts. And we're like, oh boy, uh, who, who's going to take this job? You know, if we have all five guys going, it's like, man, well, I got this going on with my bike. And then this guy's got something going on with this bike. And, you know, eventually we all just kind of will like tag team it and all knock it out, you know, as quick as we can, in a sense, you know. Um, but, you know, it is nice because Ivan is such a huge resource for us. Um, he does he does a lot as far as, like, dwindling down what's worth taking to the riders, you know, instead of the riders being burnt out, getting spun out with all these different things we have to try, Ivan's really seasoned and he's really good with it. So as much as it is, kind of a pain it's really not that bad uh it's totally worth it because it, it helps the team so much yeah well you could look at it the other way too like you're saying like you're getting close to timing out on some of those parts but you just call it durability testing at that point don't you so yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> but there's also like Ivan, obviously, like is probably very useful, not just from those, you know, whittling down the testing parts list for you guys, but when there are injuries and like wasn't Jet um, before the season out, he probably got a lot of his setup from stuff that Ivan's done um, because he wasn't able to test in that part too well, wasn't it? So that would probably help out uh, immensely for him, and and also coming in the outdoors too, it's probably going to be a bit that way for for Jet at some point. Yeah, it's, it's crazy to watch it evolve because even when Ivan goes through the testing, he'll put like the base setup and point it to a direction. And then we'll take that base setup, give it to the riders. And the riders, it's, it's funny how it works. They all kind of seem to gravitate to the same direction from there. And like it just evolves from there. And like we take little steps up. And by the time like Jet, like let's say when Jet was out and he came back, you know, Austin, Cameron, Joe, and Seth had all been on this setup, and they've evolved it to the next level. Yeah. Because Ivan did the base work, you know, sifted through all the little things that got him there, and then we put that base on the riders' bikes, and then they made small changes from there every day, like little change, little change, little change, and the bike was pretty good. And when Jack got back, he came in, gave his input, like little changes for him, and that just kind of. You know, it is a, a nice team atmosphere here. So, like, when one person does something to theirs, it's not like it's unavailable to the next. You know, everything is just open. And, like, if this is good for them, let's try it. With, if you like it, you know, you can pick what you like and don't like, and we change it from there, and then we take it to them. So, it's it's definitely a lot of steps to get there. But um, with this many riders and this much input, you know, we, we get to the end result, you know, fairly easily. Well, yeah, it's a big, like, big team, big, big amount of data that you guys would be able to collect and then spread out over across all the guys to work out what's the best, best setting for each one of them. Which I dare say that was probably a little bit of a different change for you. It's this year, isn't it, that you, you've come onto the PC team and and compared to last year with Cody Shock and just you and him basically running around, wasn't it? Uh, in a sense, yeah. So last year I was working 
with uh, Michael Lindsay team, the FXR, Chaparral Hawks team with Cody, and we used Enzo. And yeah, with with Cody, it was uh, it was he didn't have a lot of uh, history with testing and doing all that on his own. So with me, I, I had a lot of years of doing the testing, and you know when I quit racing and the first team I worked for, Traders Racing, I was still a test rider for the team, so I got a lot of experience working with the companies they worked with and riding the bike and just learning a lot, going through things and transferring that to Cody like was huge because he didn't know how to explain what he was feeling a lot of times. He he was super sensitive to the bike and, you know, long story short, it was just having to guide him along the way, but it was just me and him, you know, and we could only, and obviously Enzo gave us as much help as they could, um, but we were a smaller team. So the resources weren't, you know, like how PC is, if we need to change something, our suspension guy is there every day, you know. Um, yeah, it can be done almost so immediately. With, with Cody, it was a little different. Yeah, exactly. So with Cody, it was like, okay, we need to make the change. Can you guys come? Or can I bring you the suspension? Can we make the change? And then we ride it. So it was never like on the spot a lot of times, too. It was like a lot of planning it out, logistics, and getting it done. And we, we know, we ended up, the end result we ended up getting there and making the bike really really good for cody but it was uh, a lot more steps to get there yeah definitely no i appreciate that that's it's just a just the difference in resources and dollars and sponsorship and all that sort of stuff isn't it to make these things quick and simple the process and obviously pc has been doing this for years so they know how to make it happen reasonably quickly yep exactly <laughs> All right. Well, um, look, man, I think we might leave it there, but that's been some really cool information about, you know, what you get up to when, when the riders disappear with injury and, and we even sort of covered a few other bits and pieces there, which is, which is awesome. Some insight there. And look, it's glad, I'm glad that uh, Austin's recovered and he's going to be back on track this week. And that's even, even better to find out. So yeah, look, hopefully uh, you can just be back to normal programming and, and normal work duties for you for a couple of weeks, mate. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm definitely excited. Uh, shop stuff's cool, but I'm ready to go racing. Exactly. Yeah, no, definitely. And we're ready to see Austin back on track. So hopefully he can uh, keep it all together and, um, you know, stay healthy for the rest of the season, have a good outdoors too. That'd be nice for him to see, see what he can do properly with a, you know, reasonable prep this time. Yeah, I think uh, mentally he's changed his viewpoint a little bit too. So, you know, the steps he's taken, I think, are all in the right direction. I think uh, obviously the crash that he had this year was, you know, a bit out of control. And, you know, it's, it's racing, you know, it's unpredictable. But we're uh, we're ready to go racing, dude. I think, yeah, mentally he's in a good spot. Even physically right now he looks extremely good on the bike. It seems like every time he, he's come back, it's like he kind of, you know, busted his shoulder a little bit before the season when he came back from that he looked even a step faster just from the time off even and it was weird but I think he's hungry and like I, I think that's what he's been lacking a little bit the last couple of years but he's definitely hungry and he, he wants it so we'll see how it goes yeah no awesome sounds good uh, uh, he should be he should, he's, he's done this a couple of times now unfortunately coming back from injury so he should be ready to go but look forward to seeing him out there and seeing you on the pit board man yeah man I appreciate it Awesome. Well, thanks for the time, Tony. No problem, man. Thank you for having me.
All right, guys and girls, another awesome show this week. We had a couple of great guests. Thanks to Benny Bloss and Tony Archer for your time, guys. Really appreciate it. Put some great content on for our show this week and episode 20 of the Always Moto podcast. Remember, don't forget, we want your T-shirt pre-orders. Um, email them to alwaysmoto2019 at gmail.com. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things injury in moto. Search Always Moto and then follow and subscribe. Whatever the option is in your favorite social media app, use it, follow it, subscribe it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed also, guys. We want to make sure you're getting those latest episodes whenever they drop. If your podcast app allows, please leave us a rating as well. It helps with the algorithms and all those silly things that they do in the background. But that's it for another show. Remember, be smooth to be fast because if you're not, I will probably be seeing you in the emergency department.